you know, the financial advisor is the kind of person that basically, when you tell them they have to spend $10,000 in marketing, they say, I hope I get ROI in two months, Stuart, or I'm not gonna do this anymore. That's a very myopic view, you know, it's a, it's a what most financial advisors do is they, they basically build their business scraping and clawing for cash flow. They never reinvest thinking about the long-term sale. The entrepreneur realizes that the real wealth in America, Stuart, it's only in two places. You either own a business or you have a lot of real estate. Newsflash financial advisors, real wealth is actually not built in the stock market. and welcome to Blue Spring Out Loud. I'm Stuart Silverman and with me on today's show is special guest Ted Jenkin, CEO and co-founder of Oxygen Financial, but also a personal friend and, and a very interesting person because you can see him on in CNN, CNBC, Headline News, the Weather Channel. Yeah, Stuart, I tried to get on the Hallmark Channel, but no, no dice. Uh, I don't cry. So You're not family friendly, maybe. No, they wouldn't yeah. let me on there. Well, today we're going to talk to you about your journey into M&A and the advice you would uh, give to others who may be considering doing some sort of meaningful transaction, selling their business, capitalizing their business, whatever it might be. I'm going to jump right into it. But Sweet. But again, thanks. thanks for dinner last night, by the way. Uh, Blue Spring Dinner. It, look, if you ever get to be part of the Blue Spring family, I have to say the dinners are amazing. I'm not even sure what kind of bill there was, but Stuart, I will say, he, his hands didn't even shake at all when he paid that bill last night. But I know there was at least... It was it was uh, in the multiple thousands. I'm thinking. Well, we do deal in multiples, but I was, <laughs> I might have had a few tears when I hit my room last night. But that was pretty good. Hey, I saw your room. That was unbelievable. Yeah, it was a nice setup, huh? Yeah. Well, you pay the bills, you get a little extra. That's little right. Something, something. When you're president, this is what happens. So what what made you? I mean, you, we just did a transaction, and we we invested in your business, and we're so excited to have you and Brandon on, on board. Oh, thanks. What? got you to the point that you knew it was the right time to look at monetizing your company? I mean, I don't know if you know if there's ever a right time, but I think like any owner, you have to decide when you're going to either exit or at least de-risk yourself from you know future liabilities or future downside markets and recession. And I felt that the stock market's been on you know an 11-year run, and, and certainly this is not going to go in perpetuity, Stuart. And I said, look, at, at this point, given what the options were and what the deal was, it made a lot of sense to de-risk myself and and uh, sell the business to Blue Spring. That's great. Well, as an entrepreneur, yeah, you, you've built many businesses and wear many hats. But, but that's true. I would say, think about this. Think about the guy out there, the woman out there that's 60 or 65 years old and saying, I'm just getting another five years of cash flow and then I'll sell this thing in five years. And then all of a sudden, boom, Stuart, a 2008 hits the market and your portfolio goes from 400 million down to 300 million. And you have to wait another seven years for it to come back to four hundred million. Well, it's funny you say that because we and I'm we're being I hope we're not we're being recorded. I wouldn't want anyone. To oh hear yeah, this, yeah, but, yeah. You're well, recording me, right? Yeah, we're <laughs> recording. We're recording. But, uh, well, so I'll say it anyway. With we kind of anticipate that. Obviously, the market can't keep going up, and we anticipate that when we see a downturn with the aging population of advisors, we think what we're going to start seeing is people saying like like our clients, "I should have sold when it was high," and they're going to need to do some sort of transaction. There is going to be opportunity. But I think you're right to think about it now. I mean, I've spot and sold businesses. It makes sense. Right. Yeah, and I think the second thing, Stuart, is that I thought about selling it to an advisor. And th I mean, there are many things that are wrought with peril selling it to an advisor, mostly being, can they actually fund this thing? Do you really believe that one person can take out a four, five, six, 
$10 million loan and they're gonna actually stomach taking it? Can they actually get it from the bank? And then they, can they pay it off? But you know what's worse is I always thought about that thing where I've seen advisors sell practices and then the advisor says, yeah, I wanna leave the business. And then Stuart, they're back in your grill, they're in front of clients, they're saying, well, wait a minute, that client needs yeah. me. It's like, you're not in the business anymore. And this was a really, I think, clean transaction and, and uh, we've got a great transition plan. Well, let's talk about the transition plan a little. You're going through a lot. It's it's been a lot, it's, it's been seven months or so. seven months now. How's it going? And what are the biggest surprises, curveballs, or positives? You know, I worked in corporate America for a long time before I started my business, and my biggest fear in selling the business is that I was going to become a corporate employee again. That you know, not only was I going to be on Kestra's payroll, but all of a sudden I was going to have to report to management and all these other things. But you know what, Stuart? Nothing could be further from the truth. I've been able to operate the business exactly the way that I operated the business before I sold it to Blue Spring. And that has been the most pleasant surprise, along with uh, you know my business partner, Brandon Hayes, stepping up and doing, doing a great job transitioning me out of the day-to-day -day, uh, business of dealing with clients. It's funny because when we look at firms, some have a G2 in place, some don't. A G2 successor, for those who don't know. Right. It. But uh, you found an amazing partner in Brandon. I did. He's G2. unbelievable. How would you go about finding someone? How did you find him? Where do you find him? Any advice to people who have built these businesses? Because yeah. a lot are struggling to find that. I do. I think you have. Let me tell you what I think the blue ocean is for finding G2 successors. I'm going to say it in one word. Wholesalers. There are so many wholesalers that are right now thinking, how do I get into the business and get out of this racket of being on the road, doing dinners, having to hand out trinkets, being at these trade shows for three days, basically shaking hands and kissing babies, and they want to get into a practice. So the question is, do I buy one? Do I start one from scratch? And I'm telling you, there is a sea of opportunity in there. The second area is recruiters. There are a lot of recruiters that work for different independent broker dealers and wirehouses out there that are sick of the rat race of recruiting. And those are two, I think, biblical opportunities over the next five years. It's great. The only caveat there is they got to take a step backwards to go forwards. Probably. But there's a learning curve, but there's no better business. It's yeah, in some cases they do if they were a top end wholesaler, but there are a lot of them that, you know, they can jump into it and do pretty well. Well, our whole focus at, at as you know, at Blue Spring, and you're a big uh, part of this, is trying to attract more of these two G2s and showing them that, I mean, less than 11% of the industry is for under 40. We've done a yeah. terrible job showing these people that this is one of the best industries you can be in. You make a big difference in people's lives, you get paid well for it, and you have yeah, fun. Yeah, 100%. So I think it's a question of how do we attract more of these people? How do we show them this path? And, and, and what do we do to make that, make, to get, let everybody know? Look, I mean, there are so many colleges and universities today that offer a certified financial planner degree or that certificate that gets you into that process. I would say if you have one of those colleges locally, we've already recruited a number of employees from there. And you train them, you build them into your system, and then eventually they graduate into this G2. I was fortunate that I found Brandon because he was a recruiter for FSC and uh, he joined us actually as a recruiter and then got into private production and then we pulled him into the practice. But there are a lot of opportunities, but it's not going to happen, Stuart, if you're sitting in your office. Well, if you want to bash Brandon, feel free to because we just had him on a podcast and he bashed you. No, he was. Did he bash he was, me? He was great. He had a good That's talk. son of a. No. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm curious about something. In for you, again, we're seven months into this, but you, when I first met you, when we did this, this, when we made this acquisition and this investment in your business, you were managing a lot of client relationships. What's it been like? Have you been able to successfully transition them to other advisors in your firm, to Brandon and the rest of the team? And how's that gone? Better, worse? Uh, we're about halfway through it right now. And uh, again, pleasantly surprised. We've uh, There's been virtually 
uh, nobody that's left in this process right now. And I think clients understand the fact that I'm doing different things, not necessarily leaving the business, but doing bigger and better things for our firm and, and ways that I can build my own brand out there. And they've seen me over the years doing television and they knew that I was running Oxygen Financial. So I don't think it's any surprise to them whatsoever. And I think, you know, we all think, Stuart, our clients love us and they probably do. But like any dentist, doctor, any professional relationship, if there's a smooth transition, clients are very reasonable in understanding that you may not be the person that's there anymore, despite the fact that your ego says, well, without me, they'd all be gone. Everybody's replaceable, Stuart, including me, and I'm glad I was replaceable in this practice because that's, that's the idea. At the same time, you've done a great job of letting your clients know that maybe you're not the front and center person, but you're still behind the scenes. You're still there if they need you. You're kind of the the CEO and the, and the chairman, so to speak. Has that been working? Have you gotten any pushback? Has anyone said, I just need you, Ted? Or No, uh, nobody said that so far. And uh, I think they do understand that because I told them that, you know, the time that I'm going to take to travel on the road, to oversee the other offices, to make sure that our brand is doing well in the community, to do the TV and radio and things like that, that's where I'm spending my party. But if I had to actually be on an appointment, or if I had to, you know, stop by to work on a case behind the scenes, I will always be there if they need me to be there. So I put on my entrepreneur hat. As you know, yeah. I've started and bought and sold businesses, and uh, now I'm buying businesses, but uh, sold, sold mine seven and a half years ago. Still in and love it. For you as the consummate entrepreneur, what would you say is the difference between, let's call it a standard financial advisor and an entrepreneurial business owner? Yeah. So, you know, the financial advisor is the kind of person that basically when you tell them they have to spend $10,000 in marketing, they say, I hope I get ROI in two months, Stuart, or I'm not going to do this anymore. That's a very myopic view. You know, it's a, it's a, what most financial advisors do is they, they basically build their business scraping and clawing for cash flow. They never reinvest thinking about the long-term sale. The entrepreneur realizes that the real wealth in America, Stuart, it's only in two places. You either own a business or you have a lot of real estate. Newsflash financial advisors, real wealth is actually not built in the stock market. It helps move along over time your portfolio. But if you look at the really wealthy people that you have and how they generate cash, they either own real estate or they sell a business. So the real entrepreneur, the difference is they invest money in their business thinking about not just cash flow, but how's this going to affect long-term equity when I sell? That's, that's the difference. Other financial advisors are thinking, it's nine to three, how do I cut cost and you know, get home every day? So not that that's a bad thing, Stuart. You're just not a business owner. You're a financial advisor. Well, we've talked about this separately as well. Is I have a certain amount of money. Do, where do I invest it? Is there a certain stock? Is there a certain fund? Do I invest in my business? Do I invest it in marketing? And you've done it all. Okay, I'm going to say something here, and I'm actually hoping that I offend a few people, Stuart. I'm going to say this in advance. If you're a financial advisor right now and you've got 100 grand in your stock portfolio, what do you think the S&P 500 is going to do over the next five years? More than 10% or less than 10%? Now, even if you said more than 10%, Stuart, it would mean basically 100 grand, let's say after five years, simple math, let's say it's 150 to $175,000. If you put a hundred grand into your business, hired one more staff person, invested it in branding and marketing, would that hundred grand generate cash flow and equity more than seventy-five thousand dollars? It is the duh moment of the day here. Yeah, Absolutely, it would. And this is what good business owners understand: that the best single return on investment, if you run it right, is your business. It always has been, and it always will be. 
And it's also yourself. Yeah. You gotta believe in yourself. Yeah. If not, I guess, you know, put it in an, uh, in an index fund. So we see a lot of, uh, and at Blue Spring especially, where we look at a lot of opportunities and, and invest in, in the best and the brightest and right. the ones most grown, like your business, which was phenomenal, and we're having a lot of fun with it. But what is the difference between a lifestyle business and a really booming business? And do you see that? I mean, I see, I see both, but I'm curious if you're taking Yeah, that. I mean, uh, you know, I think there's like that ceiling of complexity for the lifestyle businesses. It's the advisor that does three, four, five hundred thousand of revenue. Maybe they get up to a million dollars, Stuart, but they're building it with uh, the idea of saying, I wish I was in the office less. I wish I was playing golf more. I don't really want to see clients. I just want to figure out how to get the business to support my lifestyle, travel, the cars, the home. And many financial advisors build that way. The real business owner does not think that way at all. They're thinking always about how do I pile in more assets, drive more top line revenue, get more people into my shop, and how do I grow something that's substantial? So one day when a company like Blue Spring says, hey, we, we wanna think about acquiring your business, you realize how intrinsically valuable that business is. You know, uh, And that's why uh, I think lifestyle advisors, they basically, uh, you know, they almost mail it in at some point. It's just like, I'm happy, leave me alone. It's interesting. You also talk about partnerships a little. You had a yeah. partner. Are they good? Are they bad? Where do they fit into all of this? Well, I had always heard that originally that, you know, the only ships that sink are partnerships. And I will say that here's how to think about this, because it's not true entirely. Where it is true is if you have two people that basically have the same skill, skill, uh, skill set that get into a partnership, it's destined to fail. Right. So if you have two people that love to sell or they love to market or two people that only want to do operations, you're destined to fail. If you get into a partnership where you have people who have complementary skills, in this case, you know, Brandon was really good at operations and I'm really good at marketing, it works amazing. So if partners can stay in their lanes and they know their roles, then you can get that, that um, energy between all of the partners, whether it's two or four or six, that can really make a business grow. Everyone else has the same skills and everyone wants to have their name on the door and their face on TV. It's not going to work. It's interesting because uh, you, at Blue Spring, we do a lot of work with partnerships. We do a lot of work with the yeah. Successor Academy. We were, I just had Brandon on and we were talking and a couple of our other successors talking about what that's all about. How do we train those successors when we do this, uh, this Successor Academy? But when you look at those partnerships, you look at a successor, at the end of the day, a business is worth a lot more money when you have a G2 in place. Totally. How does someone, I mean, we talked a little bit, but the, how do they grow that person? How do you put them in a role? Like you gave, you sold us a business. Yeah at a, a great value, but you also kept in place a team of people who could take over that business and hire a couple more to take over some of your client relationships. We got a so building business. I learned this a long time ago in my corporate career. And a lot of it has to do with being able to tuck your ego at the door because you have to be able to say that actually, if I was successful running my business, then truthfully, the business could actually run 100% perfect while I'm not there for a month. So you have to ask yourself, Stuart, and say, could I leave my practice now for a month and it would run 100% perfect without me. To do that, Stuart, you have to be able to take somebody in your organization or somebody's, and you have to be able to train them to do everything that you do, teach them everything that you know, not having the fear like they'll be better than me because that's what you want. You want them to be better than you so one day you're not needed anymore. That's what makes the business valuable. 
Well, it certainly did when we with you and with, and as we look for other businesses and we have this, right. We're actually helping businesses go out and find partners. It, but and Stuart, find- this this what we're talking about. This is the part that advisors don't understand because you know if you okay, let's let's be honest about this. On the street, most advisors say. I'm gonna probably get two times recurring revenue for my business, maybe one times on commission. By the way, not true. Not true because in the real business world, nobody buys businesses like that. They're always bought on EBITDA. So you have to ask yourself, what does the real cash flow look like in my business? And there are services businesses out there that are getting paid eight, 10, 12 times cash flow. Now, if you say that to an advisor today, they'd say, no way, Where, where do I sign up, Stuart? Well, guess what? That world is here today if you have a business that has a successor, it has a transition plan, and you actually have a business with repeatable processes and systems, then you can go to a company and you can sell for a lot of money. Well, a big part of that, and you're absolutely right, and I I, I wish more people recognize that, but a big part of that is also a growth engine, a brand, a marketing plan. That's right. Uh, I was just in a presentation, I was talking about the fact that a lot of firms don't think about that. They think, well, we have X amount of assets under management, here's what it's worth, and we're saying, hey, I want, to, I want to buy businesses that can show me they can keep growing that. So but, you know, it's so funny, Stuart, that you say that. And these are advisors that are supposedly managing stock portfolios for clients and seeing on Wall Street all day long that if your company doesn't grow in top-line revenue yeah. and it doesn't grow in EBITDA, Wall Street does not reward them. It actually punishes them. Why would you think that's anything different for your business? That's what I'm blown away. Like, you're in the business. This is what you do. You advise people on buying stocks and bonds. You're right. And yet you don't look at your own business the same way. Yeah. And as you said, you don't see the investment going into marketing and whatnot. What about branding? Is that important for a business? Oh, it it not only is important, I think it is the king and queen combined on the chessboard because people are so inundated, Stuart, with information today. Uh, Their phone, the PC, you're constantly having ads and different things and news stories run in front of you. You can't remember what you saw two days ago. So, and, and by the way, you can disrupt in a big, big way. Uh, we heard today a whole discussion about the disruption that Harry's and Dollar Shave Club did to Gillette and Schick. Sure. You have to have a brand today or otherwise you're invisible. You're invisible. You may not think it. You may say I have a good business, but you know why you're not getting more referrals? Because nobody's got a story to tell. Nobody remembers your name as top of mind. So how do wealth management firms, how do advisors create a brand or take something? A lot of people listening, our listeners yeah. have been 10, 20, 30 years in business. How do we translate well, that? Well, you're going to hate me. You're going to hate me, some advisors, for saying this. But look, get your name off the door. I know there was like Rick Edelman who did it and maybe Ron Carson who did it. But honestly, your name is not a brand name. And by the way, Stuart, neither was mine. It's the reason I did Oxygen Financial is I never wanted my name on the door. I wanted to have a brand that people could remember a tagline. So I did Oxygen Financial Breathe Easier. Number one thing you can do is to start posting something on social media daily. If you wanna double your referrals in the next year, simply post a story every day or a video or something in your company for 365 days and you will double your referrals because your clients that are on these social media platforms will actually have something to talk about to the people that you want them to refer to your company. Otherwise, why would they get you know excited to refer you? They got nothing to talk about. Right? Why why are people so hesitant to do that? Because it seems so easy to do and so fundamental. But I see firms every day. I say, yeah, we hope we'll get more referrals yeah. next year, and that's it. It's moral of the story is that ninety nine percent of the advisors are penny wise and pound foolish. Maybe not the one percent who are listening to this podcast, Stuart. But most people, if you told them invest twenty thousand dollars in marketing, they would say. 
20 grand, Stuart. I, I would have to get a wholesaler uh, or two or three. It's like, you know, any normal business, Stuart, generally speaking, will put three to 7% of their top line revenue into marketing. So if your business does a million in gross, do you have thirty to seventy thousand dollars going into marketing, or do you have five, and maybe a wholesaler who puts on a client event? Five thousand, not five percent. Right, right, five grand. Yeah. So it's, it's to me, it's the biggest mistake advisors make because the whole way you grow the business is you either squeeze more business out of your existing clients, get more business from the existing ones, or you get more new ones. You can only get more new ones by either acquiring or doing it organically. And organically is not hard, but you have to basically put some time and energy into making it happen. So as you know, our business model when at Blue Spring, when we acquire a firm, we give them a big incentive on the backside to help grow that firm right. because we want them right. to be our partner and they are our partner, but we want to share even more of their earnings with them. If you had that and someone said, okay, now I'm going to up my budget and put my three, five, seven percent in, where do you put it? How do you do that for someone who hasn't done that? So before? think about this like a home movie theater in your basement. The way you don't do it is put one speaker under the TV. The way you do do it is you have to build surround sound. And that means that you want some direct marketing, i.e. doing LinkedIn lead generation, Facebook, do that directly. You want a social stack, which is the surround sound of posting every single day on those platforms. You wanna make sure, this is the number one thing for advisors, do you have a referral gift system? Obviously we have FINRA guidelines that you have to stay within, but when your client refers you to someone and they become a client, do you actually send something to them to let them know that they referred you? These are the kinds of things that you put in place to create a 360 degree surround sound system. One of the things we did, Stuart, is that I, I, I co-pack coffee now. When clients come in, I give them freshly ground coffee and it has the oxygen logo. There are some clients that think we make coffee. I was gonna show you the new business cards. I do die cast metal business cards. Uh, yeah, you like that? Nice. That's how it sounds in the, in the thing in there. And when people get that, they go, there's nobody I give that card to, Stuart, that doesn't say, this is pretty cool. And I say, Stuart, listen, the difference between us and the other companies out there is that we're world-class in everything we do, even our business cards. So you could do your financial services business anywhere, but I'm asking you to give me a shot to see what you have and see if we can help you. So when I try to fly home with this, are we talking, are we going to go through That's the metal That's not going to TSA you. Don't That's put it in your pants. You know, put it in the bag there. It'll go through the x-ray. <laughs> Thank you. I got to worry about my travel now because of <laughs> Ted Jenkins and Oxygen Financial. It's, it's incredible. Um, if you were sharing, I, I, I see a lot of people who get to this stage, I'm going to go back to the acquisition piece, because for you, like me, I sold my business at 50, you right. sold your business at 50. Some people looked at me at, like I was crazy at the time. Why at 50? What if, I, I see people 60, 65, 70 even, who are still sitting there thinking, I want to hold it for a certain period of time. How do people know when to sell, how to sell, the right time? I mean, you did it at a young age. Why? Well, I'm sure it? everyone's financial situation is unique. You know, obviously, uh, there are a lot of financial advisors that are actually really bad, I think, at managing their own money and their own family situation. So sometimes they're, yeah. they're forced to wait for that sale. I really wanted to tackle other entrepreneurial ventures. And at some point, Stuart, you have to ask yourself this question, as you should your clients who own businesses, which is how much is enough? And I knew, Stuart, with what I had saved already and the exit that I would get with Blue Spring, if I truly felt like never working another day in my life, just like you, I wouldn't have to, but you know what? I have the fire and passion to help other financial advisors and help other business owners. And I, I'm just getting excited about building other stuff just like you're doing with Blue Spring. And that's what told me, I said, I'm gonna have enough money, it won't matter anymore. And on top of it, I get to get my creative juices into some other things that I could do. 
And you know, the other piece, it's amazing. You keep drawing parallels to the market and we're financial advisors and a stock and investing. Right. If you think about it, diversification. Totally. Uh, yeah, 100%. You know, I mean, and, and that's the truth that happens to a lot of business owners. If you owned a construction company back in 2007, you thought you were going to ride high and into the sunset of your life. And then 2008 and 2009 hit, your company was worth zero. And now a lot of those construction companies have grown again. And I've been going to owners like that saying, it's time for you to sell. Right. And did you learn the first time? Right. So, you know, we're, we've got to have a responsibility, you know, as our own fiduciary to basically say, if I didn't even sell it all, Stuart, maybe it makes sense to come to a place like Blue Spring and say, let me sell half. When right. are you going to de-risk? Because I know all of us think, listen, Stuart, in five years, do we know if regulatory pressures will get worse? Could be. Do we know if pricing pressure on wrap accounts will get worse? We don't know that. Do we know that artificial intelligence in five years will have robotic solutions that will make advisors? We don't know any of that. So at some right. point you have to say, I've got a business that's worth value. Whether I sell all or some, maybe it makes sense for me to take some chips off the table. Yeah, and the business, we, we announced an acquisition last week. And if you talk to this particular owner, what he's also adding is, listen, I have never in my career, and he's in his early 60s, seen tax rates this low. I can take advantage of low capital gains. He said, yeah. I've never seen 20% the market this high. I've never seen multiples this high. He said, I'd be an idiot. I give my clients advice all day. I look at all of these things. It makes a lot of sense, right? I think so. That's another great point. I really hadn't thought about that. But yeah, with cap gains being 20% and try to find yourself a zero state uh, you know, tax, uh, whether it's Florida or Texas or one of those to be in, 20% yeah. is nothing to pay on a sale, especially because most of it's goodwill. So- some people would say, I mean, you're, you're everywhere. Everywhere I look yeah. on, I put on any social media. I watch, I'm sitting watching my news in the morning. Uh, it's working. What do you do for fun? <laughs> the funniest thing, Stuart, is that a lot of people collect a lot of things, right? And I would joke with my staff a lot because I collect LLCs. In fact, so much so that I think I ran out of disclosure space on my U4 and uh, Corinne Coucher in the home office laughs at me and says, you can't send any more of these because they're going to run out of space. But the funniest thing that I started doing is I would buy some LLCs with some names that I think one day like domains. So I buy LLCs. I own probably 1,500 domains. This is your hobby. This is my hobby. And I bought an LLC, Stuart. The name of the LLC is LLC, LLC, but it's Spanish. It's E-L-E-L-S-I, comma, LLC. It's LLC. LLC. And I was thinking that one day there's going to be some Mexican restaurant or something that's going to want it from me and I'm going to sell it for a lot of money. <laughs> Have you sold any of these yet or are you just going to No, no. I've sold a few domains. I mean, never for big money. I've sold a couple for right. a couple thousand dollars, but, uh, you know, I continue to collect them because to me, it's just like buying real estate, Stuart. You know, eventually you're going to run out of domain names, just like you're going to run out of land. Like Will Rogers said, they ain't making any more of it. So, uh, I buy those strategically that will help my business or things that could be a future business or things that I think somebody's going to start a business, but I don't want to. And I just, I just hold them. So that's your fun. I love it. I love it. Like, yeah, I'm not a golfer. It's just, you don't want to play golf with me. That's not, I don't find that fun. And you know, a lot of people will say to me, Stuart, they'll be like, uh, you know, you work too much. You, you got to slow down. And it's just, uh, why? Why do I have to slow down? I look at people like Warren Buffett and other people that are 90 years old and they're still working. And I found, Stuart, that the people that continue to work, they, to me, they end up being healthier, more energetic, more youthful. Their brain is sharper. So I don't ever think I'll retire. I really don't. I just don't. That word seems like such a foreign word to me. I think I'll, I'll get involved in different projects that are interesting and, and have fun with them. 
Well, I have to say, I'm glad we got the Blue Spring name before you picked it up on the domain. <laughs> uh, BS was taken, but maybe that was you as well, because <laughs> no. that seems to be a fitting name. I don't know. Do I have that one in there? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that works really well. It's, uh, it's kind of fun. Um, I think about, when I think about you and I see all the fun you have with your businesses, yeah. I suddenly realize as you talk, this, this is no longer about money. What is this about? No, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's a really good point because obviously money doesn't bring happiness. It can buy you some stuff. But to me, uh, I've been in this business for 28 years and my goal is to leave a legacy. And, you know, there's the legacy of leaving money to your kids, but the legacy of making other people better in life. And uh, I, I don't remember uh, where I heard the comments about, you know, one day when you die, the measure of what you've done is by how many people are at your funeral. Right. And uh, I hope not to die soon, but, you know, uh, I try to do everything I can to help other human beings get better and share whatever knowledge I have. And, you know, one day, hopefully I'll, I'll have made an impact in this industry. And uh, last year, Stuart Investment News, which is a big magazine, they gave me an award of one of the nine innovators in our industry. Uh, I, was in, I was inducted in that. The two icons were guys like John Bogle. And so, yeah. you know, I, I look at it and it's like, you know, you never know who you're impacting every day. There are people that watch you from afar and they do better in life. And, and um, you know, that to me is very fulfilling. It's very rewarding to see my staff, my team that I'm around every day, but other people that I just can help to become better. Well, speaking of that, I know this is a little side tangent, but it's relevant because yeah. I think one of the things you're also building for smaller firms and for, frankly, for Blue Spring, you're building Oxygen, which is a phenomenal network yes. and a great concept. And I think part of that, we see that as a potential breeding ground for acquisitions for Blue Spring. Yes. Because you've proven something I've never seen anyone prove. You've proven that you can get online, you can actually build a business through social media. And I, everyone I say that to doubts that. Is, is that a fair statement? Is that not fair? Is that No, happening? no, I think it's very fair. I think that there, marketing, are, marketing. there are a lot of naysayers that think it's a joke and it doesn't work. But, but we're turning heads even inside of Kestra and advisors that are on this platform. And we acquired 377 new clients last year. Wow. In the practice that Blue Spring acquired, Believe Land, it was 123 new clients last year. The average household size was about 700 grand. Where'd that come from? Uh, every, it's, a, it's a smattering. You know, the referrals, most advisors will never give credit that their social media drove referrals, but it's about half referrals, half digital. LinkedIn, Facebook, the blog, uh, ebooks that we give away, uh, all those things, the TV appearances I've done, they all generate people into a funnel. So you have to have your website to be able to be ready to generate you leads. If it's not ready to generate you leads, you probably got to fix that. But um, I wouldn't be looking very short term that I did social media for two months and it didn't work. It doesn't work that way. It's a long, you have to put 12 months into it to build the base. And then you'll probably double or triple your referrals. And would you say, I, I shouldn't talk numbers here, but are you putting in that three to 7% towards oh, your yeah. marketing? Yeah. Well, not, not with you, not with Blue Spring. I used to, no, no. Uh, yeah, we- uh, Got to invest to grow. I, I would say that we'll put 200,000, you know, $250,000 into marketing in all, in all sorts of sleeves. And again, I'm building a home studio. Uh, what you said a few minutes ago, I want to meet people and they go, man, Ted, I just see you everywhere. And I go, then it's working. It's working, right? Because I'm probably not everywhere, but if I'm the one that has the most frequent, repetitive messages and I'm pounding them home, that's how Geico did it. That's how Arby's does it. That's how Nike did it. Right. They just had a lot more money. 
So we're in a we're in a microcosm of what they spend marketing wise, but we can do the same principles in our local communities. And I've done it in Atlanta. And over time, I put so much stuff on the internet that we get leads from California, Washington, you know, Chicago. We we get them, we get them all over the place. Well, I know we part of the Blue Spring culture is sharing best practices and ideas, and you've brought so many already yeah. in just this seven months to the group. And one of the things you talked about, I think, was a surprise, but makes a lot of sense as I think about it, is the perception of wealth management firms was we can only post on wealth management, on the market, on investments, and yet some of your, your, your medium, your messaging is all across the board and much more human interest and thought-provoking kinds of things. Is that, yeah. is that an accurate statement? Oh, it is. You know, if you think about what hasn't changed in the business since I started in 1991, there's only two reasons why every client does business with you. One, they like you. Two, they trust you. And that's all that you're trying to do on your social media and on the internet. That means you don't have to talk about stocks and bonds. You could talk about how to save money at Target. You could talk about how to do a kid's birthday party for less money. There are some things I talk about that are just leadership things about how not to be in a bad mood or a way to be better with your time management. But the fact is, they're still looking at me and saying, do I like this guy? And do I trust this guy? If I do, I'm probably gonna refer more people and do business myself. That, that human nature, Stuart, will never, ever change. Technology might change. Human nature does not change. And that's what advisors need to remember. Well, we have to wrap up, but I, I would be remiss by not asking you one big question, because, again, this is a lot about yeah. a lot of people were asking, wow, Ted actually sold off the practice, is still running and doing an amazing job, but has moved to, on to new and exciting adventures. What advice would you give uh, a wealth management firm, a financial advisor, who's thinking about this and saying, yeah, at some point, maybe, when, now, how, where? I mean, what did you learn from this process and what should they be thinking about? I just think that if you go down the path of even looking at selling your business, I think you're going to be shocked about the partnership that you could have with Blue Spring and shocked about the multiples that you could sell your business for and the opportunity that even if you still wanted to run your practice, you could actually sell it and still run it. Uh, because to me, what I learned in this process is that really... What the main parent company, Blue Spring, cares about is still, can you help us run a very healthy, successful business? Yes, you might not be the 100% owner anymore, but we don't want to change anything you're doing. Right. We just want to be partners in helping you infuse capital and grow. And that is a very exciting thing. So I think of a lot of advisors out there, if you're thinking about selling to another advisor, you might need to think twice and look at an option like Bruce, uh, Blue Spring. It's been pretty good. And it's interesting, as you said, when we look back at the acquisitions we've made, we've made a lot of them very quickly. Our expectation was sort of from our parents' generation where you sell a business and you retire. And what we've seen overwhelmingly is more advisors are like you and I. More own business owners and entrepreneurs are saying, love what I do. I want to take some chips off the table, some or all. I want to stay on and keep running it. Let me be an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur. Be my right, partner. Right, exactly. And uh, so for us, again, if that's my biggest aha about this whole thing is most of the people that are here are going to be here to stay. They're not saying, let me go to retire in two or three years. You can, and we have no problem with that. But guys like you and me, I think we're, we're going to be here for years to come. I'm fired is, up. I got more business, more opportunities. It's been fun to be involved in these uh, podcasts and breakouts. And I have to tell you, Stuart, uh, since the acquisition, I can't even tell you how more relaxed I am. You know, I think advisors, you don't realize the stress that you're under every day. We have a very stressful job. And being able to take your chips off the table and either get out or run the business or whatever it may be, your life gets better. And life's not all about money, Stuart, right? Enough that, you know, you can have fun. And sometimes you have to ask yourself, when's enough's enough? 
Well, unfortunately, our time is out, and that's all for this episode of Blue Spring Out Loud. But I do want to thank you, Ted. Again, you're a good friend. Uh, you've taught me so much over the years, and to be a partner with you now is really, really exciting. It's exciting stuff. Blue Spring. We're going to have a lot of fun, and we already are having a lot of fun, including the dinner last night. Yeah, but, that was uh, fun. <laughs> but other than that, um, I want to remind our listeners that uh, if you think about it, Subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, uh, and we don't want you to miss an episode. Are you on iTunes this, now? We're on iTunes. We're getting big well, I'm going to download it for the car. Yep. Well, you got to listen to me. I listen to you all the time. <laughs> but thank you so much, Ted. Right. Thanks. I appreciate it.